Welcome to the JBug Podcast, and today I would like to be talking about the subject of romantic fantasy and lust. And today is Friday, February 26, 2021. This topic is a difficult one, but I think it's one that a lot of people struggle with silently. It's not one that gets a lot of attention publicly. The idea of fantasy lust and um, romantic attachment through fantasy as opposed to through pornography. Because pornography is talked about a lot more in terms of an addiction and unhealthy behavior. Um, And that's something that's more kind of, I mean, you know, men's and women's brains are different. So women can struggle with pornography too. But men are more likely to be addicted to pornography in the sense that it's a visual stimulation. Now, women also can have that problem, but it's not because of the visual stimulation. It's because of the romantic fantasy aspect. But it's not just in terms of pornography. Um, Romantic fantasy doesn't have to even have anything to do with sex at all, Um, but it can have to do with uh, the, the romantic side of a relationship, wanting to be courted, wanting to be wooed, wanting to be given attention, And so um, this is something that I think women struggle with more than men, although I'm sure some men struggle with it too. But just this idea that um, I I even remember someone saying one time they were just doing the dishes as a young woman and just wished that like their Prince Charming would come and sweep them off, you know, and that, you know, part of that is like healthy, you know, it's healthy to have a desire for that and it's biological and and it's necessary and it's something that women should grow up like. If you're a young woman, you should look forward to hopefully getting married someday. But also on a hormonal level, like it's very, um, it can become unhealthy and it become it can become harmful and addictive when it's, um, when it's out of balance, really. Like anything out of balance is, can become harmful. So when um, romantic fantasy and romantic lust, ha- ha- defining it as spending a lot of time and energy thinking about someone, um, especially in impractical realms. I mean, it's one thing if you really are dating someone and you real, really are getting along and it really is exciting, um, but maybe um, fantasizing about someone you hardly know uh, to cover up other wo- other emotional wounds or hurts that you don't want to have to deal with. So as a kind of an escape mechanism, um, that can be... Um, something that needs to be healed and worked on. So it's not something that people necessarily recognize it's something they need to heal and work on. So if it's something you're struggling with, it means there's healing that needs to occur. A lot of times it is an offshoot of feeling rejected in some form or another, and it can be an offshoot of feeling enmeshed. And that enmeshment is often learned in the original family as a child when you learn to give up your needs so that you can behave the way your parents want you to behave so you get out of alignment with the dopamine reward system that rewards you for doing what's good for your body and which teaches you the consequences of nature and it's okay to have moral consequences but it's about giving and receiving and when giving and receiving is out of balance and the child is being used for the adult in whatever way to follow the adult's rules that aren't actually healthy for the child and that restricts the child's freedom so that the child has to give up their needs, that's enmeshment. So rejection happens in all different kinds of ways. 
Um, I think most people understand what it feels like to be rejected. Rejection can have very deep roots and we can have experiences in the past that we don't remember that sowed seeds of rejection. And so we may not know that there's something in regards to rejection or enmeshment that needs to be healed, but that um, there's different um, outshoots of it. So one of those outshoots is romantic lust and fantasy if you're a girl, if you're a woman. So how to, um, first of all, recognize that you have this. Well, a lot of times, um, if you have this problem, you will find yourself fantasizing about someone wanting someone to go out with you or wanting to go out with someone else or something like that against your better judgment. So you will know that maybe so-and-so had red, has red flags, or maybe you could be in, in a relationship, but you're fantasizing about someone else or, it, so it could be like outside of the bounds of what is appropriate for you in your age, in your marriage, if you're married or in your relationship or whatever it is. So if it's against your better judgment, like if there's some part of yourself that knows this isn't right, but you're still fantasizing about that person, then that is a sign that you're struggling from romantic lust and fantasy, which is just just as much of a problem as pornography is. So it's something that doesn't get near the attention that pornography does. Um, but you know, while men, a lot of times they'll struggle with pornography, women are struggling with romantic lust and fantasy, and it it is something that needs to be healed and treated. I'm not trying to put shame on anyone who struggles with this. I've struggled with it quite a lot myself. That's partly why I'm talking about it is because it's, it's a wound that needs some attention so that it can be healed. Um, one of the breakthroughs I've had in dealing with this demon per se, if you can call it that, is that, um, well, first you need to learn to take care of your own needs. You need to get your own dopamine reward system in balance. And I did do a podcast on the dopamine reward system. Um, I'm not sure what it was called. It has dopamine. I think it has something about addiction and dopamine in the title. Um, that's sad. I can't even reference my own podcast, but, uh, um, But your dopamine reward system is what helps you be in balance and living day to day and having the desire to do things. Ultimately, you are not going to do things if you don't want to. We're just not designed that way. You know, this is a good example I like to give. It's the shopping cart example. Okay. Um, (laughs) Like when you go shopping at a a big box store and you go, uh, when you're going to the store, okay, do you really recognize how far it is from the parking lot to the front of the store? When you're in the store, do you ever really pay attention to how many steps you're taking when you're in the store buying stuff and waiting in line? Sometimes that can be a little bit of a nuisance, but it's not until you get the groceries into your car and you're ready to go home that you you look at your shopping cart and you say, oh crap, I really don't want to take the shopping cart back to the cart place. And that is a classic example of the dopamine reward system. When you wanted groceries, you had no problem walking into the store. When you wanted the food on the shelf, you had no problem stepping over to the aisle. When you needed to get that food paid for, you had no problem waiting in line a little bit. Waiting in line too much, now we got a problem. But a little bit, fine, because you want that food. When you get that food in the car, great, because you wanted that food in your car so you can take it home, so you can put it away, so you can have it to eat. So the dopamine reward system wants that food. But what in the world does anybody get out of taking the cart back to the center? Like you get nothing out of that. And all of a sudden, contrastually, in contrast, you're stuck with this moral dilemma. And you can almost hear like your mother in the background saying, you know, you should put the cart away, right? 
and you're like, yeah, I know, but you know, I've got kids in the car and, and you just go through this moral, I, I don't know if you've been there, but I've been there. You go through this moral dilemma every time. Do I have to take the cart back? Should I take the cart back? You know, they're paying for someone to come collect the carts. So I don't technically have to put the cart back. Hopefully the good angel wins out and you put the cart back. But do you see how difficult it is to get people to do what's morally right when it's not in biological alignment with what you want? And I'm not saying that you shouldn't do what's morally right. I'm not saying that at all. I would encourage everyone to put your cart back. I'm just saying when you don't have a biological need or want to do something, you're not going to have the energy to do it. This is why governments and societies and all that, they need to stop trying to control people because they can't. You're not going to get people to do what you want them to do. People are biologically designed to do what they want to do. And if you're, there are some people who are so enmeshed and have their needs stepped on so much that they have to go relive their childhood as an adult and re-get in tune with their own needs because they don't even know when they feel full. They don't even know when they feel sad. They don't even know when they want to go outside. They can't feel anymore. They can't take care of themselves. So when you're out of balance, the first thing you need to do is start taking care of yourself. And you can't take care of yourself if you're busy. You got to slow down. You got to relearn just like a baby has to learn when, how to eat, how to sleep, how to go to the bathroom, the basics. I mean, the pure basics, how to drink water if you're thirsty. And I know some people are thinking, oh, come on, you would never have issues with that. Well, actually you do. There, there are... You know, someone with PTSD knows knows this. Like, you've got to go back <laughs> and just relearn the basics. If you've been in a car accident, you have to overcome a brain injury or have to overcome a type of paralysis. You have to go back and relearn the basics. So when you're out of a balance and you're suffering from romantic lust and fantasy, you got to go back to the basics. you got to be still. you got to relearn how to do the very basics. You know, you can get a pet. You can take care of the pet. That can help you learn the basics because pets have to do the basics. And when you see a pet doing it, it can help you feel more grounded and more human and more biological and get in touch with your biological self. So that's number one. Number two, this is a religious... Um, help that's helped me. Now, I know not everybody's religious, and I know that actually talking about a religious ideology can actually um, cause some people pain because they associate talking about religious ideology as abuse. And so I apologize up front, but I just want to share that, you know, I'm speaking from my experience and I wouldn't share it if it was causing, if the result was painful. So forgive the terminology, but it's really important to me because that's, that's my background in I have a religious background and it's important to me. Um, and that is that the first commandment is that you should put God first. So if you're putting a man first, then God can't bless you with what you really want because you're putting what you want ahead of what God wants. And God wants you to have what you, what you want, believe it or not. But God knows the right way to do it. Okay. Sometimes we like to change the order that God gives us things in. And that's where things that's where we fall into unhealthy patterns. I think of a car, you know, a car has different shaped parts of it. I couldn't even name them, right? It's got like an engine. It's got pistons in the engine. It's got an alternator. I don't even, I couldn't even point what those look like in a car, but a, a car mechanic knows what those parts look like, right? And if I were to go up in the car and say, you know, that piece on the car, it just is a little, it's a little too boxy. I think we should make it more swirly. And I think we should put this here and this here. 
Um, if I started doing that to a car, the car mechanic would just go, oh my heavens, Julie, like if you do that to that car, your car is not going to run. And then I would say, well, you know, you're just rude. You just are trying to control my life. You're just trying to tell me what I can and can't do. And you're just, you know, this is just religious abuse right here. You trying to, you know, this is mechanical car mechanic abuse telling me where things should and shouldn't go under the hood of my car. Well, obviously that's supposed to be a funny example because any idiot would know that you got to listen to the car mechanic when they tell you what goes where in your car or your car's not going to run. Likewise, if we can say that this is true, I believe it is, that there is a God and he said, put me first. Don't put that husband first. Don't put that man first. Don't put those romantic lusts and fantasies first. Put God first. God, to me, is a real living father. He's like, I mean, you could talk to him like you could talk to a regular human father, except that he's perfect in everything he does. To me, that's God to me. Okay. He's not like some wispy orange cloud in, in the sky. He's like a real physical being who's overcome, um, the, you know, who's over overcome the mistakes of humanity. To me, that's my God. And so I have a very close relationship with my God, my father in heaven. I don't see him physically, but I believe in him. And when I put him first and I keep my eyes and when I keep my um, belief system open to his hand guiding my life, I find that his hand is guiding my life. <laughs> He's like that car mechanic saying, put this here, put this there, then the car is going to run. And believe me, God is good. Just like that car mechanic. Hopefully you've got a good car mechanic that wants your car to run correctly God wants your life to run correctly. He wants your hormones to run correctly. And so <clears throat> when you're out of balance, instead of trying to find that thing that's keeping you out of balance to help you feel better, um, put God first and tell him what your needs are. I That's what prayer is for, right? You can physically sit down or write it in a journal and you can tell him, God, I need to feel loved by a man. I need to feel romanced by a man. I need to feel wooed by a man. And then you can say, but it's in your hands because I know you know how to take care of me. And then you have to be patient because if God can't bring it to pass fast enough, you're not going to find someone else who will. Like no one's going to bring it to pass faster than God, in my opinion. Okay. From a religious ideological viewpoint, which I find to be true in my own life as I put, put it into play. So putting God first, if you have that understanding relationship, a true relationship that's good for you with God, not an unhealthy one, not like to a bad God that's evil, like a good God that's on your side and wants you to survive and live and to live well, that type of God, the type of God Jesus talked about, you know, God came not to take our lives away, but to give us life and to give it more abundantly, that type of a God. You know, some people think, oh, well, toxic masculinity and, and all that, well, you know, who wouldn't get into the car of somebody driving if they were driving you to an exotic vacation, right? I mean, if it's, a, if it's a good person whom you trust, why not? Why not let there be authority? I'm not really opposed to authority if it's a good thing, right? So that's my relationship with God. That's who God is to me. So when I find myself drifting and getting out of balance and maybe um, spending time fantasizing about something, I have to remember to reel it back in and say, okay, God, let's put you first. You know the order of things in my life so I can get what I need, so I can get where I want to be. 
And that can be very helpful in overcoming that addiction to romantic fantasy. Because I think what time what we do sometimes, especially in relationships, is we expect that partner to be God. And they are not able to fulfill our expectations the way we thought. So that can be frustrating. So what's also the case with romantic fantasy is you can create a, a partner that doesn't exist. Just like with pornography, these men are looking at women you know, they're not, they're models. They're not really, um, representative of the average woman, at least not the average woman over her lifetime. <laughs> um, and so it can be unfair, right. To compare maybe other relationships to pornography, but it's the same thing with romantic fantasy. Like in your mind, you can come up with a guy who always says the right things and never hurts your feelings and always fulfills your expectations, never forgets your anniversary and, and, never gets offended and lets you complain and all that. You can you can imagine that, but that doesn't mean that that's being fair to what a real man would be able to provide. And so it's important to realize that when you're trying to imagine like a romantic experience to help you feel better, that that could be a compensation of not being fully grounded in your life as it is. And you can look for other ways to ground yourself to kind of get you more into day-to-day -day living in life. Um, again, learning how to cook, learning how to clean your house, just doing the very basics, um, maybe learning how to take care of a pet if you can. Like I mentioned before, animals can really help you get grounded if you're living in a fantasy all the time, having animals, um, cause the animals are going to be in touch with your environment and they can help you be in touch with your environment as well. Um, I, we just got these baby chicks and so it's like, I, I probably spend too much time on the internet. But because we have those pets, like I find I don't need the Internet because I have these chicks I can look at. So animals can help you kind of get grounded again and kind of get you out of the fantasy world and into reality. So there's things you can do to kind of wean yourself off of that romantic fantasy. And as you so first you have to recognize what it is, that this is an unhealthy way of relating to relationships that it's a coping mechanism, it's not reality, and it's not <clears throat> something you should idolize. When most people who have regular marriages and relationships, they're just so regular, you know, and you don't get those hormonal highs all the time when you're in a healthy relationship. So if you're in a relationship because of the hormonal highs, you might be in it for the wrong reasons. In fact, I think a lot of women do this. They, they talk about how Sometimes women fall for the bad guy, and that's because the woman's addicted to the hormonal high that she gets from having her fantasies fulfilled. But that's not normal. That's not regular. A regular relationship is going to have a lot of downtime. You're going to have a lot of boring time. You're going to have more affection than you are eroticism, if you get my... And you should have... I mean, it's nice to have a healthy balance, and you know... People's relationships will have a spectrum of eroticism to friendship. Um, but you've got to have at least some friendship to be able to make a healthy relationship work. It can't be only eroticism. Now, if it's only friendship, there's that's going to be problems too. Um, but if you're in the relationship for, because of the erotic high it gives you, that's not the right person to go after. I know that it can be enthralling. Just like for a man, if you're really looking for that perfectly modeled figure of a woman, and that can be enthralling, but I mean, go look at 
you know, go listen to other men who've, who've chosen that woman and she can't cook and she can't, um, you know, anyway, I don't know. It's great if they're both and there are women out there that are both. And so maybe I'm coming off as jealous, but, but <laughs> that aside, my weakness exposed. Um, my point that I'm just trying to say is a really healthy relationship is just regular and there will be t great times where nurturing and compassion and upliftment and building each other up happens in the marriage. But if you're overly fantasizing about getting your emotional needs fulfilled because of your relationship, then maybe you need to um, learn to stand on your own two feet. And again, I'm saying this from experience because I'm, a I'm very much... Um, into my own feelings. I'm very sensitive to that. And I very much value those types of feelings. They're very important to me, but that's all the more reason to honor virtue. That's all the more reason to not put yourself in a place where those feelings will be taken advantage of. And again, a lot of times with romantic fantasy, you're tempted to be in a relationship that doesn't honor your virtue and that doesn't honor those tender feelings that you have and those tender dreams that you have. And so it becomes a compensation that tempts you to lose that emotional security <clears throat> that you could have in a healthy relationship if you weren't so addicted to the romantic feeling itself. So there is a place for healthy romantic feelings, but it's in the jurisdiction of what would be good for you, what would be best for you in the long term. And a lot of times romantic fantasy is trying to pull you away from what you know what would be good for you in the long term. Like how many times do women say, well, I don't normally have a one night stand, but <laughs> I'm so enthralled and addicted to you and how you make me feel that you must be extra special. And it's not. It's, it's, a, it's a hormonal high. And so if you're going against your better judgment and saying, well, I don't normally do this, but then you've fallen to the prey, you've fallen prey to the romantic fantasy of the situation. There's actually a story of um, ancient, <laughs> ancient goddess Ishtar, and she fell in love with someone like, I don't know, he's walking down the street, and she was whatever, with the hay or whatever. And so she goes up and proposes marriage to him, and he doesn't want to marry her. And so she goes and uh, to I don't know if it's Zeus her father or whatever I I don't, ha I don't know the story that well but the the point of the message is she you know she wants to go punish him and whatever she tries to do to get even but the point is <laughs> of that story is that this woman was she was suffering from the 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 bane of romantic fantasy and so just like men they can have you know they need to overcome that natural man. They need to learn how to work hard and to court a woman and not just go out and take advantage of women. You know, women can do the same thing with their fantasies and want someone to come into their life and sweep them off their feet, feet so much that they're disrespecting their needs and the needs of others. And, they're, and they cross boundaries that were put in place to protect people and themselves. And so again, you, you know, romantic fantasy cannot be the end all. It can be a nice supplement. It can be a dessert. It can be a side dish, but it can't be the end all of, of your desire for a relationship. And even when you found a good relationship, it won't be the substance of your the sustenance or substance of your relationship. 
So I recommend listening to Anointed Fire. She's a it's a YouTube channel where she talks more about this. And it's just it's just a topic that has really resonated with me because I don't think women talk about this enough. And women don't we don't always act um logically if we don't think through it first and sometimes it takes someone like helping us snap out of it because we do get into fantasy so much and it can be a good thing like it can help us be creative it can help us be good parents you know if you're able to fantasize up a great celebration for somebody that can be so wonderful like the ability to imagine and in the context of relationship is a beautiful thing but it can go if it becomes the thing in and of itself then you could get your um, standards out of balance out of balance, excuse me. <clears throat> so that is what I wanted to talk about. And again, if you're struggling with it, because it can become an addiction, um, again, you need to love yourself more for having it. And if you can recognize, because sometimes with addictions, people go back and forth from it's wrong, it's right, it's wrong, it's right, it's wrong. But if you can recognize it's wrong, but I love myself more. It's not in alignment, but I can love myself more. That comes, that is coming from a place where you can learn to forgive yourself and love yourself and help. Love is from God, in my opinion. Sorry to get back to religious terminology, but that's how I, that's what I know to use to explain it. So if you have other words you can use to explain it, use that. But love is from God. So when you can love yourself, that is what gives you the power to overcome that addiction. Love is, you know, the, some people talk about grace, because if you try to do something of your own will, sometimes you don't have enough will to actually go through with it. So you need extra grace. And that extra grace is love. When you're able to love someone more because they're making a mistake, it helps you get out of it. So confession in the church has been misused. It's been used to um, cause people shame. But what confession in the church was supposed to be was if I come and I'm seriously and brutally honest and I'm struggling with this sin and the reaction I get from the people I'm confessing to is compassion then that's going to empower me. Like, seriously, you still love me? I can do this. That compassion is what grace is all about. That's the purpose for confessing. That's why we take our sins to God and lay our burdens upon him and he makes our burdens light. So I need to finish up this podcast. I don't really have like, you know, I really don't have an A, B, and C how to overcome this. It's just a topic I want to bring attention to. And as I bring attention to it, I'll probably have more ideas in the future about how to overcome this. But basically, number one, recognize it's a thing that it can lead you to places you don't want to go. It can be unhealthy and it can be a coping mechanism. Number two, put God first. Don't idolize any other person or relationship to heal you or to make you happy. No one else can make you happy but God. Number three, if you find yourself falling into this addiction again and again, love yourself more for it. As with any addiction, as with any problem that you want to have fixed but your will isn't there and that you have a biological imbalance toward, you need to love yourself more. That provides the grace to come out of it. And then again, with that recognition, the ability to confess an environment where you can be treated with extra love and compassion because you're suffering from it, especially by yourself. And putting God first, there is something, at least in my experience, that is really powerful about being able to trust in a higher power to guide you, like you would trust in your car mechanic on where to put the items of the car, guide you into how to order your life. Because God may say, well, I know you really want to have that relationship, but let's learn how to make 
three meals a day first, or let's learn how to take care of an animal first, or let's learn how to, you know, keep a regular job first, or let's learn how to, um, you know, take a course at a college and, and enrich yourself because there's so much good that we have to explore and learn about if we can give ourselves that chance and opportunity. And while we work on those other things, that will help us build the stability so that we can have those needs and wants met in a healthy way, in a way that's going to uplift us and in a way that's going that we can also put energy into in a healthy way so that we're not just taking from the relationship, but that we are also in a position where we can give to the relationship. Because ultimately, especially with romance, uh, the purpose of a romantic relationship in, in the cause of nature is so that you can provide for children. And so you need to be fairly competent yourself in your own existence before you should partake of a situation where romance could bring forth children and the added responsibilities that that brings. You need to be able to be in a position to give love to the relationship, not just take. And when you have that imbalance, then that is you're setting yourself up and you're investing in your own long-term happiness. Uh, thanks for bearing with me. I know there's been some noise in the background. And I hope you've enjoyed this topic. And thank you for listening to the J-Bug Podcast. Take care.